We'll be reading from Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. That'll be a starting place, but it's a good starting place. Kind of establishes some, some important facts that we want to look at uh, as we continue uh, our little study on figs. You know, we looked this morning at the parable of the two baskets of figs and spoke about the importance of figs in the Hebrew society. And that's something that's pretty well lost on us because I don't think too much about figs. They're not part of my diet at all. I can't remember the last time I've had anything with a fig in there unless somebody slipped something in. Uh, but uh, it's pretty important for us to look at what the Scripture says and get the whole picture of what God was telling them uh, when they put those two baskets of uh, figs there. How important is this fruit? And what is it that, that they would have that basket of figs and consider it an important thing to give to God, a valuable thing to give to God as the first fruits of their land. And we start with Deuteronomy chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. Would you stand as the scriptures read, please? Every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you and to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you and allowed you to hunger and feed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he may make you know that man shall not live by bread alone. Man lives by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Your garments did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell these forty years. You should know in your heart that as a man chastens his son, the Lord your God chastened you. Therefore you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs that flow out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity and lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron, out of whose hills you can dig copper. When you have eaten and are full, then you will bless the Lord your God for the good land that he has given you. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the history of your people. We thank you that you have made us your people. And Father, as we walk with you and walk for you, we ask you to remind us of these things in the scriptures that have lessons, and have uh, things for us to remember and principles for us to live by. And Father, these facts we know just prove that you know what's best for us. So we trust your care every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen may be seated. Now we look at what God was talking to them about or what, what this land would have. And we know that this was not an exhaustive or an, let me say an exclusive list. We know that the land that he carried them into would have more than just wheat and barley and vines and pomegranates and olive oil and honey and fig trees. We know that we have a lot more than that. When he wanted to explain to them how good the land is, he began to name some things. And we wanted to be sure, wanted to be sure that they knew that the land 
would have fig trees in there. He wanted to communicate just how abundant the new home would be, and he wanted to be sure to include the fact, you need to know this, it'll have fig trees. Now, 40 years earlier, back in the book of Numbers chapter 13, you remember the spies went over into the promised land and brought back the report. They brought back a cluster of grapes that had to be carried on a pole between two people. Now, we kind of focus on that, but if you read further, in verse 23 of Numbers 13, it says, and they included figs. They included figs. They wanted to be sure, hey, you got to know there's figs over there. They, they didn't bring everything back. They brought back some grapes and some figs and some pomegranates. But figs were mentioned there. Want to be sure. Both times, hey, the land you're going, it's worth the trouble because there are figs there. And as we mentioned, figs are mentioned from Genesis all the way through uh, Revelation. Now, what is it about figs? Well, did a little bit of research. This is probably more than you'll ever want to know about figs. And some of this information will not be useful, but it just proves a point, all right? Figs are considered to be a very nutritionally dense food source. As we mentioned before, they were eaten fresh for about six weeks. After that, you have to preserve them. So how did they preserve them? Well, they were dried up, and then they were pressed into cakes. Now, 1 Samuel chapter 25, I'm going to go over there and read there because there will be another passage in 1 Samuel that I want to read. In verse 18, we know the story. David and his men were hungry, and they happened on uh, the land, which is a broad land, of a, a man named Nabal. And Nabal had plenty, and his man, men were famished, so he sent some people over to Nabal and said, look, we've got to have some help. You know, they were on the run. They were, they were running for their lives, and they, they came up, and, and Nabal actually not only told them no, but he said, I'm not going to give a crumb to you that would have to take it from my sheep shears, and I've already taken care of them, and why should I take the stuff that, that would be from my people and give it to you? Now, Abigail, his wife, was horrified because she knew that David would be king. People knew about David, and she knew that David was not going to be running forever. And sooner or later, he would be in power, and he did not want to be on the bad side of David, she thought. So in verse 18, unbeknownst to Nabal, it says, Abigail made haste and took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five sheep already dressed, five seahs of roasted grain, a hundred clusters of raisins, and 200 cakes of figs, and loaded them on donkeys. Now, I don't know how big that cake was of figs, but what they would do, they would dry the fig, and they would press it into a cake. I would say probably, and I'm just, <clears throat> I'm just going to stretch it a little bit. This is probably the first recorded evidence of a fruitcake that had ever been given as a gift. And, and, and it started from there. But later on, when uh, David's army was at Hebron, Second Chronicles, First Chronicles chapter 12, it says that somebody provided them with cakes of figs. Now, 
when that fig is dry and all the moisture out of it and is pressed into that cake, it was an excellent source of food for travelers because it was so nutritionally dense because all the moisture had been taken out of it. A little bit of research. And this is something that they wouldn't have known then as far as the exact details because of the science and the chemical analysis that we have today. But look, notice how modern research has finally caught up with how important some things were in the Bible. Figs have the highest mineral and fiber content of all common fruits, vegetables, and even nuts. They are highly packed. They're called nutritionally dense. They even have a good supply of protein when they are in their dried state. Per ounce, they have a good supply of protein. Figs have vitamins A, B1, B2, K, C, and E in abundance. Water-soluble and fat-soluble vitamins in uh, a fruit. They have three times more calcium than all other fruits. So they're good for bone density. And it has been proven, this is modern science, figs have anti-inflammatory compounds. And they are high in natural sugar. Six dried figs would give you 24 grams of sugar. Now, it says that's natural sugar, and it is offset by all the fiber that's in there. Cooked figs were always used for sweeteners. You see, in, in the old days before cane sugar was invented, they sweetened with other different things. And fig was a natural sweetener, and it was cooked. And, of course, the, the syrup from the fig was used to sweeten things up. So we have an example of just how wonderful this nutritionally dense food is in 1 Samuel chapter 30. And several nutritionalists pointed to this passage of Scripture when it spoke of how effective figs would be in the needs of the human body. In 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 11, then they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David and gave him bread and he ate and they let him drink water and they gave him a piece of a cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. So when he had eaten, his strength came back to him for he had had no bread nor drunk water for three days and three nights. He was famished. He was weak. He was in a bad way. And notice they did give him two clusters of raisins, but they only gave him a piece of the cake of figs. Now, nutritionalists point to this passage of scripture and say, this shows you how effective that first evidence of a fruitcake was, is they gave him a piece of that, and it brought him back. Now, now we have the new term. This is probably, I don't know, in the last few years, superfood. And you know what? When you start looking for superfoods with nutritionalists and all the nutritional research that's been done, chemical analysis that they didn't have there, vitamins have been identified, minerals have been all extracted and everything, they have recognized that when it comes to a food source, 
dried figs are one of the most supreme super foods. So they didn't have all this information then, but God did. So when he wanted to tell them just how good the land was and how much they would have, they said, oh, by the way, there's figs there because ounce for ounce, dried figs would pack more food value than just about any other food that they would have, including meat. And they could uh, preserve it for a long time and travel with it. Now, another interesting application, 2 Kings chapter 20. Second Kings chapter 20. Second Kings chapter 20, beginning in verse 1. And in those days Hezekiah was sick and near death. Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amoz, went to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. He turned his face toward the wall and he prayed to the Lord, saying, Remember now, O Lord, I pray how I have walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart and have done what was good in your sight. Hezekiah wept bitterly. And it happened before Isaiah had gone out into the middle court that the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Return and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people. Thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Surely I will heal you. On the third day you will go up to the house of the Lord, and you'll add to your, I will add to your days 15 years. I will deliver you in this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. I will defend this city for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. Isaiah said, take a lump of figs. So they took it and laid it on the boil, and he recovered. Take a lump of figs and laid it on the boil. Now, researchers have looked at this passage of Scripture, and they understand, of course, the diseases in ancient uh, the Middle East, and they realize a boil that would bring you to death was possibly, most likely, anthrax. And a lump of figs had medicinal properties that would take care of anthrax. And modern... Medical research, this came from the National Library of Medicine that said this was possibly anthrax. And there are compounds in figs that will combat this. And it goes a little further. Ancient India, ancient Greece, and ancient Egypt all mentioned figs as having medicinal properties uh, with digestive problems and even blood pressure. You see, figs are high in potassium, which is important, and also figs will dilate blood vessels. All has to do with blood pressure issues. So we have a nutritionally dense food, and we also have a food that had properties for medicine. And all this comes down to, to when God said, you'll have plenty of fig trees, people knew they were going to be in good shape. The fig tree, and I've mentioned this before, uh, 
was a symbol of peace, safety, and security, and commitment. If you want to turn to the book of Micah, chapter 4, verse 1, that'll be our last passage to look at. Micah, chapter 4, verse 1. While you're turning, let me just mention this. In 1 Kings chapter 4, the writer of 1 Kings was trying to describe how good things were under the reign of Solomon. And he starts talking about the riches of Solomon, the wisdom of Solomon. He starts talking about, of course, all the things that were going on. In verse 25 of 1 Kings chapter 4, it said, Every man dwelt safely under his own vine, and fig tree. You remember this morning we referred to John chapter 1, Nathaniel, and Jesus said, I saw you under the fig tree. Well, he knew what he was talking about. And we look at the culture at that time, every yard just about had at least one fig tree. Every household had their own fig tree. And that fig tree, of course, because of the fact that it was such good food, such ample food, such adequate food, and because of the shade, that was a good thing when you had your fig tree. And also, the shade was such, when you had to find a place where you could get some rest and in the cool of the heat of the day, the fig tree provided a great, huge shade. And people would sit under their fig tree. They would sit under their fig tree. And the fact that they were under their fig tree meant first one thing, they were home. They were not on the run. They were not being harassed by armies. They were settled. They were home. So the fact that the, they say you could sit under your fig tree meant, of course, it was safe, it was settled, it was peaceful. And then when God wants to describe just how good it's going to be when all this is over, in the book of Micah, chapter 4, verse 1, look at what he says. Came to pass, it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house will be established on top of the mountains and will be exalted above the hills, and the people shall flow to it. Many nations shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion the law shall go forth, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between many peoples and rebuke strong nations afar off. They will beat their swords into plowshares. Has that happened yet? No. So we know this talk about the future. Beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. And then to top it all off, he says, and everyone shall sit under his vine and under his fig tree. Listen to this. And no one shall make them afraid. When God wanted to say it's, it's as good as it can get. He was talking to the Hebrews, of course. That was the intended audience. This is as good as it can get. Everybody will sit under their own vine and fig tree. And nobody can make them afraid. Wow. That is a mouthful. And God says, I'm just going to tell you how good it's going to be. It's going to be as good as you can imagine. And that's the, what they could really imagine. 
because nobody will make them afraid. And the best as they could be is their home, their home under their fig tree, able to sit, able to pray, undisturbed with God. That was the picture of safety, security, and plenty. And all had to do with the fig tree. Is there anything before we close? Let's stand and be dismissed with a word of prayer.